Last Sunday before the 8 o'clock service, everything was perfect, which means it was quiet and everything was in order. It was about 7.40 a.m., and it's, it's become a larger service. Somewhere between 80 and 100 people can attend 8 o'clock on a good Sunday. But it's 7.40, 7.45 a.m. There's usually about 25 or 30 people in the pews, as there were last Sunday at that time, all sitting there or kneeling and thinking about whatever one thinks about in the pews at that hour. Everything from God to grocery, grocery lists, I'm sure. And at about that time, I decided I'm going to step into the stall and just look one last time at the hymn and the readings and the announcements to make sure everything's in order. And as I came around the side, an interruption happened. And over at the second pillar, I saw a gentleman. I heard him at first and saw him then. And he was getting more and more agitated and louder and louder. And it was definitely uncomfortable and odd. Did I tell you it was just before the right one, 8 o'clock service? So I walked over, and I could tell things were not in a good moment because to his right on the aisle was the security guard. And so I stepped over, and as I stepped over, he was getting louder and louder about his bag. She had to check his bag. And he kept getting louder and louder, I will not let you check my bag. No, what's wrong? And so I sat down beside him and didn't quite know what to do, and, and, but it was obvious that he was loud enough and becoming agitated enough that I just simply needed to say to him, hey, let's step outside just for a moment before we come back in and say our prayers. He calmed down. Sometimes it helps when you have vestments on, you have to say things like that. But as we came forward, I thought we were going to walk down Summers Hall, but he took a hard left and got louder and louder about his bag and literally walked out down the center aisle, getting louder and louder. They're not going to check my bag. Why do they have to check my bag? Looking in the 25, the eyes of the 25 people gathered there, strangest recessional I've ever seen, walked all the way out the back door, never to return again. Every Christian community, just like any group, has to have boundaries, and boundaries at their best, and it's a part of my job every now and then to draw a boundary. It's not my favorite part, but boundaries at their best actually create space on both sides of the line for both groups of people, and I hope it created ultimately a little bit of space for everybody there, including him, but that's never fun to do. What I heard in his voice, what I certainly felt in his voice, the more I thought about it this week, is something I don't want to lose. He was agitated about his bag because he was a person experiencing homelessness. His bag had everything that belonged to him. It was literally a part of himself that he was worried about being taken. And after reflecting upon it, what I heard in his voice and certainly felt in his voice was deep emotion, anger, fear, perhaps paranoia, desperation, and loneliness. 
And these, I want to suggest, are all emotions that are holy, and it's a time-honored practice to offer them in sacred places like this. On a deep, symbolic level, a level that I was not aware of at the time, and perhaps the guest was not aware of either, in a deep, symbolic level, this is where we come, and this is a community where we come to offer the deepest emotions we have. The deal with emotions is they're wonderful. They're one of the most incredible parts of being a human being, but they're also dangerous, especially the darker, deeper emotions. If we don't have a place and a people with whom to offer them, when we become too isolated with our fears, too isolated with our anger, or too isolated even with our joy, the greatest emotions are meant to be shared in community. And on the deepest level, I believe, That's what our strange guest was doing before the 8 o'clock service. Our first reading is from Amos. Amos, as prophets often do, sees a vision. He sees a basket of summer fruit, and God says to him in the most straightforward way, what do you see, Amos? And Amos says, I see a basket of summer fruit. It's a reading that starts out so beautifully and in a relaxed way. And then it turns on a dime as we realize that summer fruit has become rank and disgusting. And it flowers into God's prophecy that Amos receives. The songs of the temple, God tells Amos. The songs of the temple shall be turned into wailings on that day. And for one reason only... You've made no space within your community and with the land for the poor. You sell them for a silver. You exchange them for more sandals. Your economy matters more than compassion and people. The reading reaches its crescendo at the end where the prophecy is that there will be a famine on the land. And God says this famine on the land strangely will not be a famine of bread. It will not be a thirst for water. But instead, the famine will be the inability to hear the words of the Lord. The famine is characterized by silence and wailing, not songs, not prayers. Those don't get you very far in this season. What is this famine? I think I know a little bit about it. I would never pretend to know much about it, but I think I know a little bit. I think the famine in part is the inability to feel and therefore the inability to relate. The inability to feel and therefore the inability to relate to what's in our own bodies and our neighbor's bodies and emotions. It's the inability to hear a strange guest or someone on a street corner and think to yourself, that could be me under different circumstances. I've been pretty lucky. Some of what I got is by effort, but it's not effort alone that's gotten me to this point. I'm pretty lucky. That could be me. It's the inability to feel and relate to the refugee at the border. I can actually, in one way, relate. In one way, especially those who bring families. 
I have my entire adult life left my homeland and gone to bigger and bigger cities in search for greener and greener pastures, in search for God and more meaning, and if the truth be told, leaving behind ghosts that haunt. I can relate a little bit about what it's like to go search for greener pastures. So as we hear, as we hear the words, the strange words and visions of Amos on this day, and as we approach the holy table, may Christ end the famine, the famine of bread, the famine of feelings, so that we might recognize our neighbors as ourselves and ourselves as our neighbors.